to the message tonight, uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever, have you ever um, had one of those ideas that you thought, man, this could be a great idea, a great product? Have you ever had one of those? And then it turns into something, and you think, I should have done that. Where, what was it, Elaine? Oh, I did. Well, I know my mother-in-law, while you think about that, you think about it, but my mother-in-law often talks about, you know the shower cap that you can buy now, shower caps to put over your bowls and then pop them in the fridge? She said, I always thought of that. And then I remember being at her house, and she did use a shower cap for that. I mean, a new one, clean one. But it works. I mean, that was pretty cool, but somebody else is making money off of it. I mean, I know they don't call it a shower cap for bowls in the store, but you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Lois, did you think of it? Anybody else? Have one of those ideas? If you think of it, you, you flag me down because I'm curious what it was. Because I know we have those moments where you think, oh, this would be a great idea, but we, but we don't get it to market or we don't do that, right? Yes. Oh, sure. Yep, that's true. She said, because when they first started camping, because they travel a lot in their RV, thought of having a map and then being able to put on there all the places you've been. And you're right, those are everywhere. You do see a lot of that. I mean, it's just one of those things that's almost so obvious that you wish you would have thought of it. Because somebody did, and somebody's marketed it, and, and you made a million off of it. So I love those ideas. Anybody else have one of those that they thought of before? Ken. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, there you go. Yep, could have been a millionaire. Could have been a millionaire. Here's, here's what's interesting about ideas, if you think about this. Every idea, every idea has been thought of at least twice and created twice, but, but mo- always more than even twice. But think about this for a minute. When, when somebody has an idea, they're creating it in their mind, and then they go through the process of making those things happen before you get to a product or a thing. It's being created over and over and over. Think, think about the process that goes through, like if, even in a building, like even this building. And you may not be aware of this, but, well, let's take a look here. This is, these are just some plans I pulled up on the internet because they were big enough to fill the whole screen and... You can see that. Anybody else worked construction before and worked up a set of plans? Yeah. Great. Well, let me just, let's just walk through this. I've heard a lot of stories about how this place came to be, and I, I love that, you know, I've talked to Pastor Newby a lot about that, and, he, you know, he, there's a lot of versions of the story, but one of the versions is that he felt God telling him that we, the church, this church body, could reach more people from this location than the other location, which was over south of the stadiums. And then I'm sure he talked to different people. I'm sure he talked to his wife, and I know he talked to the board and then the church, and I know that there was prayer involved in that, but it doesn't even stop there. If you think about how these ideas come to be a place, come to sit here where you're sitting in seats today, covered by a roof the way it is and, and the walls the way they are and the platform the way it is, because then you've got to take that idea and you've got to talk to banks, right? You've got to sell them the idea. They have to actually own the idea and think about it the way you're thinking about it and then you get to the architecture stage, and, and these aren't really detailed plans, but I know a lot of plans I've worked off of, you know, they'll show you which they, way the door swings, and that's important. Because remember, remember we were down in Hot Springs, Jeff, working on that little job, and the guy, the guy didn't really do real plans. He just kind of did his own plans. We walked in there, and like, this door won't 
open. <laughs> it won't swing. There wasn't enough room because he hadn't really thought through every detail. But, but in most plans like that, they not only think about which way the doors are going to swing, they think about where every outlet's going to be. And the architect goes through that, and you'll see the notes on the side. I mean, this is a very, this actually is a super simple one, but you know, usually there's page after page, and it shows the HVAC system and the electrical system and the plumbing, and they have their own pages. And just because it was an idea, hey, let's put a church on this hill, it doesn't stop there. It's really complex, and it goes on and on and on. And there's a lot of people who have input into that and different ideas about it and prayer about each stage. And then there's, I mean, there's the superficial things that we see in the room, like the colors and the carpet and the fabric. And all of those things went through times where mind after mind and person after person thought about it and thought through it and probably even disagreed and argued about it and had discussions about this or that or should be this way or that way and on and on. And and think about this for a minute. People walked through this building in their mind before they walked through it with their feet. They imagined what it would be like. And if it wasn't the people now sitting in the room, it was architects and it was bankers and it was people who had to think, is this the right location and what will it look like and how will it be? And now you can have a, you know, a computer system draw up exactly what it will look like and you can have these computer images where you walk through the whole building before it's even done. And think about you. Think about you for a minute. Before you were a twinkle in your father's eye or a dream of your mother, there was a point where mom and dad, either they found out they were pregnant or planned and thought, we're going to have a baby. And they had to think all these thoughts. You, you know how that is, right? You wonder, what would they look like? What would they, will it be a boy or a girl? And if it's a boy, what, what will he be like? And I know for my family in particular, <clears throat> this weekend I got to spend a lot of hours, 24-7 almost, with my mom and my daughters. And we went to my niece's wedding out in Virginia. So my mom flew into San Diego Then on, on Thursday, then Friday morning, 6 a.m., we got in my truck and we drove to Virginia, 16 hours all together <laughs> before we actually got there into the hotel room. And so I thought this would be a great opportunity to ask my mom all these questions, things that I'd heard growing up. You guys have heard stories of your family and life, but my daughters had never heard that for, for, from my mom so we just had all these conversations going, and they got a kick out of one of these that I was going to mention tonight, and that is I had heard this story over and over how my dad never had sisters. There were never girls in his family, and, and there weren't girls in the family. So what he did is they, when they decided to have kids, they prayed for a girl. He wanted a baby girl, which ended up being my older sister. Then he wanted a boy, and he prayed and prayed, which ended up being me. And then I have a younger sister who had passed away, but, but that was 10 years later and not not the same type of planning went into that baby (laughs) but when they knew that they were going to have a baby he wanted another girl and prayed for a girl and he used to always talk about he he never understood why god answered his prayers he was just really glad that he did on the gender thing interesting but before that was ever his idea who whose idea was that it was god's before you were ever the idea of a dad or a mom or, or you know, for, for a lot of us in my generation, that, that we weren't planned. We were just, parents got, had babies, right? It wasn't like today where everybody kind of schedules it out. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are teachers and they, they talk about, well, we got to have the baby right in, you know, June. So I'm like, oh my goodness, people. That's not how it used to be. It used to be you found out you're pregnant and you had a baby and you didn't know what the baby was going to be. Remember those days, anybody? Is it just me? But before you were any of those ideas, you were God's idea. That blows my mind to think about. 
Because there's a lot of things in our world where we conceptualize it, we have this idea, we hope it turns out a certain way. And, and whether the end product ends up being our idea or not, we had an idea about what it would be. Even your own children, you have ideas and you have plans for them and, and thoughts about what they'll be like. And you imagine it'll be like this or this or this. And then when you start having kids, the personalities that you get, you never know what you're going to get, right? I mean, you, you just don't. And I'm not, not at all being critical, but I know when we had grace, there were many times where we thought and said out loud, we'll never have another child. There's no way on earth because she was just a difficult kid. She was just difficult in every way. She had colic. She never wanted to be held. She wanted to always be facing out. Every time from day one, putting her in the car seat was a battle and a fight. I mean, you got this little tiny infant pushing those little buckles away. Like, how do you even know what we're doing to you? That's who she was. And then we got Theo. Super, just night and day different. Compliant. He would walk in when he could talk. He would walk in and say, night, night. We're like, what? He was sleeping through the night before Grace was. I'm just saying. She's a year and a half older, and he was going to bed and, and sleeping all through the night, and she wasn't still. I mean, that's just how they are, right? And you don't know what you're going to get, but you have these ideas of what they're going to be. But God had ideas about you. Just like we have ideas of our own kids, he had ideas about you. I'm going to take you to a passage of scripture we even, I even mentioned two weeks ago in the sermon, but I'm going to take you to it for a different reason. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. This is the psalmist talking about God, talking about himself. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I don't know if we do that enough. You know, I don't know if we do that enough. Because most of the time we're asking him, God, can you fix this pain I have? And, and I'm hurting here and hurting there. And, and I'm not happy with this part or this part. Can you fix or change this? I wonder how often we really thank him for how complex and wonderfully made we are. I mean, really, because he has made us intentionally in a way that a lot of times we're not as happy with because we compare. We think it should be this way or that way. Or thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I, every time I read this passage, I, I stop and just think, every day, he knew what I was going to do, what I was going to be, where I was going to go, how I was going to do it. He, he walked through all that. He, I was an idea in his mind before I was even here, and he thought about it. It just blows my mind. You know, and today with the technology where we can, we can see babies, you know, long before they're, they're even ready to be born. And we used to do this really cool thing when I was in Minnesota. We had this arrangement with a, a crisis pregnancy place. They would bring in a, a portable sonogram machine. And I would do this every year right around the, the whatever the, the anniversary of Roe v. Wade is. And what we would do is we'd have all the students in the room, and they knew, they knew what we were going to do. And I'd have them invite their friends because I would tell them, you're going to see an amazing miracle today. And what we would do is we'd find a, a, a lady in the church, and sometimes it was a challenge to find her right in the right window because they wanted her right around three or four months uh, pregnant. And that's it because you're not showing. That's why they wanted it. Most ladies aren't showing at that point. 
And so what we do is have, you know, have the, the couple come in, and a lot of times the youth didn't know them, so we'd introduce them. Because, you know, being young parents, they didn't have youth-age kids. And so we'd introduce who they are, and they would talk about, you know, how that they had planned this baby, and they had this baby, and they're going to be having a baby, and on and on. So they kind of bond with the mom a little bit. Then she would go back behind the curtain, and then what they would do is they would always give her some M&Ms or juice or something, and then they would start to do the sonogram on the baby. And then you would watch the kids. They'd be like, ah. Wow, I see it. Because you know how a lot of times you get those little pictures and they don't sh- do justice to the baby. And a lot of people look at them like, I don't, I don't look like a baby. But when you see the baby start to move, then you see the baby. I mean, those little snapshots aren't the same as seeing the video or, or you in the room. And the kids are like, oh my gosh, look at that baby. And it was so funny. I mean, sometimes a baby literally looks like they're doing jumping jacks because, you know, the sugar gets to them and they start jumping around. And I mean, that wonder of this verse, thinking about before when they were, it was in the dark of the womb and you saw me before I was born and every day of my life was recorded in your book. And this verse, this final verse of this little section, how precious are your thoughts about me? Oh God, they cannot be numbered. How precious to think that God thought about you. He had ideas about you. Before any one of them came to be, he thought about you. And he wondered about you. And he, you, you, you were an idea in God's mind. You were actually in his mind. An idea there. And I, I, I dwell on that and I, I ponder it and I think about it. Before you were born, you literally right now are the physical manifestation of God's idea. Isn't that amazing? And some of you may be thinking, man, he is creative and got weird ideas. Maybe you're thinking that. I don't know. You can if you want. But that's not where I'm going with this. Where I'm going with this is is you're fearfully and wonderfully made. It's an amazing thing that God knew who you were and he had an idea about who you are. And he created you specially. He had an idea about you that was different than anybody else. And right now you are the physical manifestation of God's idea. That blows my mind. It really does. To me, I think about it. I think about it like the architect who's pouring over the plans and writes in every detail, and he makes the notes, and he says, this right here is going to be facing this way, and it's going to be doing this, planning each door opening and the height of the doors and the counters and the flow of the walkways and literally down to the detail of every parking place because you have to have the right number, and there's a formula for every building occupancy. But God did that for us and had those plans all together details far in the future think of it like this god actually had plans for you and and i know when i say had and has it makes it look like he had like his plans were in the past but i'm only saying that because in the past he had future plans for you does it make sense i know i'm messing with the words there but he had plans for you before any of them came to be he still has plans for you and what what are some of the plans i just thought we'd talk about some of these he had plans for things that you were going to experience There's literally things that he has lined up for you to to experience that he planned way, way in advance. Things that you may not even think about. And I'm kind of geeky like this, but I think about this a lot. I think about what he's put in our world that we experience on a daily basis that were were extra nice things. They're, They're things he didn't have to give us, but he did. I mean, things that you walk through and experience every day that you may not even even appreciate but because we do it every day and it just becomes routine i mean i think sometimes when when i when i went outside even just right before service and i had to get something out of my truck and when i walked out there in the the oppressive humidity and the heat that i haven't felt for a few hours because i've been in the building and i felt that heat it was almost like a wave washed over me and i just stood there and i thought 
God did this. He made this. And he gave us the sensory abilities for whatever reason to, to feel that difference as it washed over. And, and I remember walking out to the car and thinking, I'm so glad I don't have to live in this. I mean, I have a choice. I don't have to be out here sleeping in this and the struggle of trying to get to sleep when you're all sweaty and it's uncomfortable and the, the air is heavy and, and it's hard sometimes to breathe. And then, and then I forgot about it. And I got whatever I needed, and as I walked to the church, I then was confronted with this feeling of the drier, cooler air. I thought, wow, that feels amazing. And I realized as it was kind of going around my neck and back, and I could feel it literally down my back, and I thought, that's an amazing sensation. <laughs> I literally said, God, I really appreciate that way more than that. You know, and it's just, it's weird. I know it's weird, but there's so many things that we experience that, that other people don't even think about. Think about the color and the texture and the detail that, that you walk around every day. And does it need to be there? Do you need to even see it? Do you realize that a lot of animals don't see what you see? Their eyes are literally incapable of seeing what you see. And, and, and I, I know, I mean, I had a lot of science classes that would tell you things like, you know, that there's certain colors in nature that are there just to warn you because that animal's dangerous. But not animals, not every animal sees it. So that, that's not universal. I mean, deer don't see color. They just see shapes and, te- and textures and, and colored. I mean, they see black and white differences, but they don't see the color. Why? Why didn't God give them that pleasure that he gave us? I mean, he, he gave it to us. Think about some of the things that we see now that, that mankind hasn't seen up until now. Think about what science has done where it's opened up with the Hubble telescope and other things where we're seeing, we're seeing literally constellations that are out in space that have always been there since creation, but now we see them. And the beauty and the majesty and the intricacy of it and the balance, the intricate balance that is there that if one or two things are off, it wouldn't be there or it wouldn't look that way. <laughs> Why would he do that? Why would he build into that? detail and purpose it's funny because so much so many of of much of humanity would look at that and say oh there's there's no purpose in that because we don't see what the purpose is we assume there is none i mean what what arrogance is that in us as humans that we say we understand everything and because we don't know why that exists then there must no be, be no purpose you know what i think i think god not only had plans for us to experience things but he put things in just for our enjoyment now, some people look at that and they say, no, 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 it's just, it's just chance and happenstance and we walk through the world and it just is what it is. No, no, no. There's too much in the world that is just about pleasure and exhilaration and fun and wonder. And God, God does that, I think, intentionally. I think he does that for his creation because he planned things for you, not just, not just things for you to do or, or tasks, but he literally planned in pleasure for you just like you do for your kids. There's things you do for your kids that are just about pleasure, just about fun. Remember, we painted Grace's room purple one day because she wanted that. And we, we did it. I, it was my day off, and we took her to school, and we painted it. So when she walked in, it was, we put everything back up, and she just stood there. And we just did it for her pleasure. I mean, we, we do that. God does that. That's who he is. Now, I'm going to take you on a quick ride here because I'm a geek. But, but look at some of these things. Does anybody know what that is? It's a little tree frog. He's, he's actually sitting right out there on that, in the corner of the doorway going out there. <laughs> we were just looking at him, and I took that picture of him, and I looked at that. You look at the texture and the detail, and 
Why? I mean, yeah, it's camouflage. I get all that. But, but there's so much beauty and intricacy in there. I, this was on my car, on my truck the other day, and I was just blown away by not only the intricacy of its wings and everything, but then the way the shadow worked. And I just looked at that, and I thought, God, you're an amazing creator. I mean, I don't even know what that bug is. But there's another little tree frog that was at my house, and I just, just look at the detail. This little guy was here at the church not too long ago. Why is his tail blue? I know why. Ouch. I know why he's blue. It's because, you know, as a predator might see that flash and grab a hold of that, and then he can run away and the tail pops off. I get that. I get that. But do you know how many different colored lizards there are? I mean, hundreds and thousands different. Why? Because we serve a God who's creative, and he gives us this kind of pleasure where you can look at that and appreciate the different colors and the intricacies in it. This is a moth I, I found the other day here at church. It's just a really cool moth. I think it's called like a feral moth or something. I mean, this, okay, this is just because I'm really, I'm a geek. But I found this guy in my truck the other day in the bed. And I see him, and I'm, you don't see very many yellow grasshoppers, right? And so I got up close to him, and he didn't move. And maybe that's because his eyes dented in. You see that? I thought, maybe he can't see me. I don't know. Or maybe he thinks I'm far away because his eyes dented in. I don't know. But I, I was able to get really close to him and take this picture. But the thing about it is I look at that and I see the detail in all that God created there. It's beautiful. It's an amazing thing that he does. And why does he do that? Why does he give us those things? Because I believe that he's not just a God who gives you jobs to do. He's not just about that. He's also about the aesthetic and he's about the beauty and the intricacy. And he has things woven into our world on purpose because he loves you that much. That's who he is and what he does. Not only does he do that, but he does do these other things that we usually talk about. God does have plans for you to grow, for you to be, for you to be something different than what you are now and to create in you the image of his son, Jesus. He does that. He creates beauty because that's who he is. And he trains us and grows us through experiences because that's what he does. He's a creative God. Yes, and he does this too. He has things for you to do. He, he had ideas for you and about you before you were even born, before your parents had any ideas. And they're bigger and better and more vast than you can ever imagine. That's what he does. It's what he does. <laughs> I asked you earlier if you ever had a great idea. And I think a lot of us have had ideas here and there. And, and when we have an idea, let's say you have a really cool idea. I don't know if, you, if this ever happened to you where you, you have an idea and you step back and you're like, I don't think I thought of that. Did you ever have that happen? Because it's not like normally what you would think of. It's almost, like, it's almost like God drops an idea in your mind. And we even use that terminology because it's, sometimes it's like, where did that even come from? Now, I, I know really creative people and I'm in awe of them. And I know I'm not that. I know I'm more of a person who can take an idea and maybe make adjustments and make it fit what I need it to fit. But, but as far as the initial creation of it, you know, I'm always in awe of that somebody who has that kind of a gift. But I think about this, and I think about how God gives us ideas. Have you ever had that happen? Where maybe you had an impression or a thought, or maybe as you were going along, you thought, I should pay for that guy's lunch. Or I should, you ever had that happen? Or, or maybe as you're walking along, or you, you, I don't know if you hear voices or anything like that, or, or maybe you're in church here and you feel like God told you to give this much to a missionary, or, or maybe you thought, I need to call my mom, and then something's going on. I mean, God does that, right? 
He pops ideas in your mind because he's God and he loves you and he cares about you. It's interesting because I feel like he does that for us all the time and God has always given us ideas, but, but a lot of times he's working, but we're not listening. We're, we're distracted. Anybody remember this from that movie? And that's how most of my life is, actually, because I'll be doing something and something will happen. Oh, I need to take care of this. And I'll pull up another window on my computer and then I'll be working on that for a minute. Like, oh, I need to get back to this thing. Oh, I need to do this. And, and I just have to think, oh, my goodness, can't you just focus on one thing for just a minute? <laughs> and I wonder if sometimes God is saying, I have some incredible things for you to do. I have ideas for you. Will you just settle down for a second and listen? Because I created you with these abilities and these gifts and these ideas, and I want to pop one of these into your mind, and I want to send you on this track and have you do it. But we're so distracted. I mean, there's so many things happening, and, you know, the, so much going on outside the window and social media and maybe that problem from work that you can't get off your mind, and then the phone rings and the text and that something beeps. And I wonder if sometimes what God has for you is right in front of you, that it's Maybe not something you were thinking of, but it's something that he has right in front of you. I think for some of us, some of the ideas he have might, might be those, that two-foot-tall person that's hanging on your leg, and you don't realize that's what God created you for. And sometimes that's it. Maybe it's for you to influence somebody who's, who's right near you, maybe somebody at work or at school or somebody you run into on a regular basis. And because they've seen you or watched your life, there's something that you have that only you have, and you can influence it in a way that would make a difference forever. Let me ask you a question. This is kind of a weird question, but um, what do these guys have in common? I, I think a lot of us know, I put Bill, Billy Graham. I'm sure somebody called him Bill, but Billy Graham, you guys know who he is. Um, does anybody know who Bill Bright is? Campus Crusade, good. Anybody know who Ray, uh, Jim Rayburn is? No. Uh, Dawson Trotman? Uh, Richard Halverson. You may be wondering, like, okay, why are you putting these names up there? There must be something in common. There is actually something in common. Let me just read you some of the achievements that these guys achieved. I know most of us are familiar with Billy Graham and the Crusades and all, but let me just mention this. He did over 417 Crusades in 185 countries and territories on six continents. His first campaign, his first evangelistic campaign, was held in September of 1947. In the Civic Auditorium in Grab Rapids, Michigan, it was attended by over 6,000 people. That was the first one. It's amazing. Do, do you, I don't know, I, they've tried, but there's no way to estimate the number of lives that were touched by him. And then by the people touched by those and those and those. Uh, Bill Bright is the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. They recently changed the name to CRU um, Crew. I, there's stuff involved with that. In 1951, he started that ministry in UCLA's campus. He's now in over 191 countries, 20,000 full-time staff, 663,000 trained volunteers. I, I actually worked with that ministry when I was in college. They birthed Athletes in Action, Student Venture, and the Jesus Film Project. Estimated 3.4 billion people have heard the gospel through their ministry. 3.4 billion um, Jim Rayburn, who you're probably not familiar with, but anybody here familiar with Young Life? It's a campus ministry program, ministry. They reach out to high school and middle school campuses all over the country. I've worked with them a number of times over the years. He started that ministry. Now they have over 700 ministries located in 324 cities. 
And they have, at this time, right now, over 18,000 members of Young Life. And you probably never heard of Dawson Trotman, but has anybody heard of Navigators? They're also a, a Christian campus outreach ministry that also is a huge publisher. Right now, they have over 4,600 Navigator staff and in 69 different countries who minister to college students, military personnel, businesses, and professional peach communities and churches in 103 countries. And then you haven't probably heard of Richard Halverson, but he, he was a pastor, but then also was the Senate chaplain for, for a number of years in the 80s and 90s. What they had in common was one Sunday school teacher. Hard to imagine. One lady named, her name was Henrietta Mears. She moved to Minnesota, from Minnesota to Hollywood, California, to work at Hollywood Presbyterian Church, which is still there. I don't know if you ever, if you ever visit Hollywood and you're on the 101 freeway and get off at Hollywood Boulevard, when you get off the freeway, if you're going north, it's that church. It's that church. It's sitting right there on the hill there. That church, she was a volunteer there. She went when she was 38 years old. And in 40 years, she built their Sunday school ministry to, they estimate, minister to over 6,500 kids over those years. She created a publishing company called Gospel Light. She also developed a conference center called Forest Home, which is still a very popular camping destination for a lot of ministries over the years. She wrote a book called What's the Bible All About? It sold over 3 million copies. Those famous guys aren't the only ones that were in her Sunday school program. Roy Rogers was part of that, in addition to tons of of Hollywood stars that she influenced over the years. Every one of these guys credit her with the inspiration to follow God's call and idea that she inspired them for. Can you imagine being Henrietta? I mean, can, can you imagine that? Having your thumbprint or fingerprint on the lives of people who are this influential in the kingdom. Can you imagine I mean, not that we would never do it for this reason, but imagine how many people she, by way of these guys, is responsible for being in the kingdom. It's amazing. It's mind-boggling. You know what's even more amazing to think? That you might be having that kind of influence on somebody somewhere right now. Or you. You could be Henrietta. Or you could be, you know, a Bill Bright or Billy Graham or Bill. You could go by Bill. Or Jim Rayburn or Dawson or Richard. I mean, that, the thing is... we. We, we, a lot of times, we, we feel like we've just done it all already, or we've already influenced as many people as we're going to influence, or, we, or we've, we've lived our life. But the truth is, God's never done. She, she, she moved there when she was 38. Most people feel like that's halfway done with their life, and yet she was just beginning. And the amount of influence she had is incalculable. And I feel like that's what God does, where he looks at us, and he has ideas for us that we can never even measure. And you don't even know what it's going to be. It could be your child. It could be somebody that you're teaching in a Sunday school class. It could be somebody that you rub shoulders with at work or, or school. It could be somebody at Quick Trip that you, you talk to and influence. And because of your influence, they end up coming to Christ and literally changing the world. It could be a friend of your child who comes to play at your house. And your house is different because you love Jesus and because you love each other and because you treat them different and you eat together and you do things that are different than this. Could be something like this. Look, look at this passage of scripture. This is one of these passages in scripture where a lot of people just kind of rush through because the names are hard to pronounce and it doesn't really seem to have any meaning as far as you know the gospel or it doesn't seem to have any, any real like meat theologically. But this is Romans chapter 16. It's the end of the book of Romans. And Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe who is a deacon in the church in Chentra. Welcome her in the Lord as, as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she has been helpful to many and especially to me. What, what's he doing here? He, 
he's saying, this is Henrietta Mears. And look at the people she's influenced. She's influenced all of these people and me. In a way, in a way this is kind of Paul's, uh, Paul's kind of swan song and saying, here are people who have done amazing things. And because they've listened to what God's idea was for them, they have influenced countless people. Look, he goes on, give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Jesus Christ. In fact, they once risked their lives for me and I'm thankful to them. And so are the Gentile churches. Give, also give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. He goes on, greet my dear friend Eponidas. He was the first person for the province of Asia to become a follower in Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who worked so hard for your benefit. It's kind of like he's saying, don't forget all these people because they have achieved things in Christ. They have fulfilled God's idea for them. He goes on. And Adronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who are in prison with me, they are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Apollatus and my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus and my co- our co-worker in Christ and my dear friend, whatever that is. I have no idea. It doesn't even end there. He goes on and on. He says, greet Apellus, a good man whom Christ approves, and give my greetings to the believers in the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's uh, people from the household of Narcissus, and, and give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, and the Lord's workers, who are, and dear Persisus, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Do you hear what he's saying? These are people who influenced me and have influenced many. They have done what God's called them to do. What it is, is God had ideas about all these people and the legacy that they leave. Paul didn't want to be lost. And he wrote it literally in the Bible. Can you imagine your name being in the Bible? Can you imagine that? Remember, dear Carol, who's been an inspiration to many and a mother to a lot of us and and really sassy sometimes. Give my greetings to uh, Syncretus and Philegon and Hermes and Petrobus and Hermas and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philogus and Julia, Nereus, his sister in Olympus and all the believers who meet with them. He's saying these people are worthy of honor for all the things that they've done and the people that they've influenced. There's 29 names listed there. This isn't the only list he makes. He does this a lot. But there's 29 names listed there, people who invested in him and people he invested in. And what about the encounters you didn't even intend? I've been talking about the people that you regularly interact with, and and they could be somebody that ends up being a Bill Bright. But but what about the people you don't even intend to encounter? There's so many people like that that God puts in your way because he has ideas that you weren't thinking of. Think about the um, elevator rides and business trips and coffee and this verse always amazes me in Hebrews. It says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. You ever think like that? You ever have an encounter with somebody and wonder, is that an angel? Usually we think that when they do something for us though, right? I'm saying reverse that. Why don't you do something for them? Maybe God's calling you to do something and they walk away saying, I wonder if that was an angel. <laughs> I wonder if that was an angel. I had this weird experience. It wasn't weird, but it was one of those things where I visited with Thelma, and she's at research, and I came down the elevator. And you know how you fall in behind somebody, and they don't know you're there, and you realize, oh, geez, I'm walking real close to this person. They're going to freak out when they turn around because I'm right there. So this guy's on the phone. I was close enough to hear his conversation, which I wasn't intending to listen to him. It's just I was right there. 
And he's on the phone and he's saying, yeah, but the keys are locked in the car and I can't get to it. And I can hear the guy on the other side. I can't hear the words he's saying, but I can just hear there's desperation going on on this phone call. And I felt like God say, give him what's in your pocket. And I'm not used to doing that. I'm like, okay, usually I would just help him out. So I start reaching in my pocket and then we were right before the, you know, that, you know, the hospital, they've got the two doors, you know, kind of that little area right there. So he's standing right there and he spins around and I was too close. And he's like, whoa. And he's like, can you give me a ride up, up to uh, St. John? And I, if you're not familiar with that area, it's in Northeast. It's kind of North where Sheffield is. I know exactly where it is. And he's like, I need a ride there. And I said, well, I'm actually got an appointment and I have to be. And I told him where I needed to be and it's south of there. And he goes, oh, he goes, I don't usually ask for. And what happened was my hand was already in the pocket. But then when he started asking for a ride, I took it out because I thought I was going to give him a ride. It was one of those things where I said, I thought you said, God, give him what's in your pocket. And then, then he's asking for a ride. And then my hand went back in my pocket. And he goes, I don't normally ask for it. And I just handed him what's in my pocket. And he goes, wow, thanks. And then he gets back on the phone. And he's like, don't worry about it. I got bus fare. And he walks away. And I thought, God put me there right then and spoke to me, and I did what he said to do. I wonder how many times I don't do that. Because to be honest, I normally don't walk that close to people because I know it's weird, okay? And I know I'm bigger. I was way bigger than him, and I know he was, I didn't mean to be. It's just when he walked, when, he, when I put my hand in my pocket, and then, you know, I took my eyes off for a second, and he stopped and spun around. And it was like, whoa, hey, we're writing in each other's, like, intimate space. It was awkward. I normally don't do that. I was doing what he said to do. And I remember walking out there and thinking, I didn't even know how much I gave him at first. I thought, oh, geez. It was five bucks. It was nothing. I mean, it was nothing in, in, the, in the scope of things. But for him, it was bus fare, and it, it saved his day. And I thought about that, and I thought, it reminded me of this quote by C.S. Lewis. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. We, we are all God's idea. Every one of us. And everybody you walk into or walk behind too closely. Every one of them are God's idea, and he had an idea for them. What if we treated everybody we run into like an angel? Not a fallen angel, but an angel. I mean an angel. Your wife, your husband, your, your neighbor. Even if their dog barks and bothers you and digs up your yard. And we used to have this neighbor that let their dog poop in our yard. Anybody ever have that? And you're like, I'm trying to be nice to you, but are you kidding me? Treat him like an angel. Let me ask you a question that sounds negative and it's not, but when God thought of you, what was he thinking? I mean, you could say that negative, like, what was he thinking? That's not what I'm saying. What was he thinking? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder what was he thinking? When he thought of you, what was he thinking? I, I wonder that. Was he thinking, oh, this is a one of kind, one of a kind? Was he thinking, oh, I've created here a servant that is like none other? Was he thinking here, I've created somebody with the leadership gifts to literally run the kingdom? Was he thinking, I've created here a giver who, who I will bless and they will bless and they will bless and people will be blessed? 
Do you think he was one thinking, I, I've created somebody here who's a worker and I can trust them and they will get the job done? Was he, was he, did he think, I created here an encourager, someone who I can put in the middle of my people and they will all walk away feeling better because that encourager is there? 1 Corinthians 12, it says, there's different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Why? (laughs) Spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. We so often think those gifts are all about us or whatever. I don't know what we think, but we don't often think they're given to us for others. And yet that's what they're there for. Different gifts. He gives the gifts, and he thought of you before you were born, and he built you in a certain way with gifts and talents, which are yours alone. Dave, if you could put some music on for us. He he has things for you to do that only you can do. He created experiences and wonders and pleasures just with you in mind for you to enjoy. He did that. Different roles, different gifts different expectations. Hopefully, hopefully that would free us, some of us, from that curse of comparison. Here's what I invite you to do tonight. I invite you to just ask him this question. I should have worded it different, but when God thought of you, what was he thinking? So Joe, why don't you just spend a minute asking him that? God, what, when you thought of me, when you thought of me before I was born, when you thought of me when when you knit me together in my mother's womb, when you had all those thoughts that I can't even count, what were you thinking? What, what were you thinking? What did you intend? And, and rather, than, rather than any regret or anything like that, here's what I want you to do. Think, think God, what can I do to, to be what you thought, to, to achieve your dream for me? What can I do to make that happen? What, what do I do? What do I do to make it be what it should be? What were you thinking of me, God? Why don't you shut your eyes and just spend a minute thinking of that. And when you, you know, you you spend as much time as you want. If you want to pray longer, that's fine. If not, that's fine. God, I just bless these people tonight. I'm so thankful that you put them in my life, our life, this church's life, this body of Christ here at Crown Point. I'm thankful, God, that you have created them the way you have with, with all of the personality, with all of the gifts, with all of the all of the the talent, God, that you have put into this place and in these people. God, I pray that you would just communicate to us for a minute some of the dreams, some of the thoughts that you had about us before we were even born. Some of the things that you have yet to see us accomplish. God, that you would open our minds to that. I pray that every single person would walk out of here feeling elated and knowing that you, the God of the universe, knows who they are and had dreams and thoughts about them that were beyond comprehension before they were even born. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. God bless you tonight.